Genre. Hey, hey, welcome everyone to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, the daily podcast where we are talking about the 1990 live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie one minute at a time. I am your host, Scott Tofty, and with me again this week are our friends Chris O'Connor. Yo! And Rachel Gatlin. Hi. And Adam Sheehan. Hello. And we are here to be your fearsome fighting podcasting team, uh, your lean, green, audio recording machine talking about minute number seven here of this movie which starts with uh rather mm, terse looking Raphael <laughs> is standing in a sewer pipe i guess Good you word. call it and ends with uh splinter advising his uh young children to stray from the shadows reluctantly and we get some great nice giant almost neon green credits right before we've Cut this minute. So, uh, yeah, minute number seven. Here we go. Let's talk about it. Raphael, we get the first full body shot of a turtle right there. Mm-hmm. He, and, is, uh, he is grumpy. He's he is striking a pose, that's for sure. He's strolling down the middle of the uh, the sewer tunnel, but assiduously avoiding the uh, the the little the little creek of of, of water. He is not mm-hmm. That's true. He got nowhere near it. Yep. <laughs> he doesn't have his white booties on. Yeah. Yeah. That that tiny, tiny little current of perfectly clean water that flows through the New York City subway. Mm-hmm. S- sewer water you could drink from. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd have to go back and watch last minute. I feel like weren't we panning up a sort of rather large reservoir of water yeah, th- in were, the last minute? There, there was. Yeah, there were some deep puddles. But I yeah, think yeah, there's that was like a stuff separate in shot. it. I think and that, then we that get was a separate location. Was that a separate location? Yeah, because there's like lots of footage in here that's like obviously like a separate part of the tunnels. It's not like all the same. Like that that bit where we're like, is that a, a hubcap or a discus or what? Ugh. See, I I thought that was the same shot, and then it panned up to the logo. No, it was right before they turned this corner. I think. Oh, okay. All right, I'll give you guys that one. So I love Raphael's walk here. I love his strut. He's got such like a I'm a badass, I'm pissed off kind of strut going. Yeah. Um also very where is in this, character. Where is this light source coming from in the in the New York City sewer? Like Um What does it assume, cost to light the sewer? Like <laughs> I feel like it must be overhead. I think the the in canon explanation would be there's probably a, a, a storm drain or something right overhead. Uh, okay. That is yeah. out of the shot. With like a street light, you know, just above it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. um, the the sort of real life answer is someone's got a light bulb clamped onto a pipe. You know, <laughs> <laughs> suspension of disbelief suspended. Yeah. Yes. Um, we get a credit for Mr. Raymond Sarah, uh, who plays the uh police. What do you call him? The commissioner, Commissioner oh, Stern. Chief, Chief Stern. Yeah. Police. Yeah. Um. He's got a long career. He was in a great... So let's just hit TV shows that you might know. Murphy Brown, Spencer for Hire, Who's Boss, Matlock, Murder, She Wrote, Young Indiana Jones, Knott's Landing, uh, The Practice, Kojak. And then we get into movies, uh, and we have uh, a whole bunch of stuff you wouldn't know. Then we hit Ninja Turtles. He's in the John Gotti movie, Gotti. Um, Arthur Bolero, he was in Manhattan, Marathon Man, Dog Day Afternoon. This dude's been in some 
some pretty good, pretty good heavy movies. New York stuff. The Silence of the Hams. <laughs> the Hams. <laughs> yeah, the Hams. How often does he play a cop, though? I, I have this weird theory about people who play cops or always a play cops. Well, that means that I'm going to have to go to IMDb. I'm looking at Wikipedia. Sorry. Let me see if I can find him on IMDb. I, I, and I'm just going to real quick. Is my guess. Um, I'm going to real quick see if it tells me. Um, but I will tell you. So Carl Winslow from Family uh, Matters. Reginald Bell Johnson. Bell Johnson. Yeah. When I went to I went to college in Fredonia, New York, and we always had I don't know where this joke got started or why, but we'd have a party at the end of the year, Fred Fest, right? That was the big college festival, hmm. and then my group of friends had this party called Reg Fest. And we always <laughs> said it's in honor of Reginald Bill Johnson because he was an alumni. He was a criminal justice major at Fredonia, which is no total way. bull. That's not true at all. Oh. We had I don't know why we started saying that, but we got a lot of people believing it. That's oh. great. So now anytime you can, and he's always a cop. Like he's a cop in Die Hard. He's a cop in this. He's a cop in that. He's a cop so, in Family Matters. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're just like, of course, everyone's going to believe that he gets a criminal <laughs> justice degree. Um, I, I, I always used to say I wanted to make a buddy cop movie with Ernie Hudson and Reginald Vell Johnson called Black Ops. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's or, a good idea. Since both Ice-T and Ice Cube play cops now, they should be in a buddy cop movie. <laughs> they should. I would watch that. What, what, what would you call it? I don't know. Ice cream? <laughs> no, no. Knott's no, Landing. No, absolutely Knott's not. Landing. Knott's Landing, he played a deputy. In the TV show Nurses, he plays Officer Torres. See, he's another not, one of those guys. Blue Ice. I'm not. I'm Blue not ice. seeing. There you go. I'm not Sergeant Sal Rubio. Okay, so he plays military. That's that's oh, okay. an official. I get it. We'll give him that one. Um, the 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 character names are not necessarily uh, indicative of career. Yeah. He plays a court officer in Vigilante. He plays Lieutenant Al Gambrino. In Powerhouse, the TV show, hmm. detective. He always has, he always has rank, Wolfen. Though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He plays a character named Detective in this something called Wolfen. Oh, um, I know Wolfen. That's, that was like a with, weird. Hey, here we go. Ready? Uncredited. Dog Day Afternoon. New York Plain Clothes Cop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you wanted to hear right there. I wonder that if is. he started. I wonder if he got his start like as like he was a cop, and and then like just you know movies filming in New York are like ah oh, we need somebody to be like the most stereotypical cop we can find. I <laughs> know. Un, it's just unfortunately, acting, you know, yeah. his his bios don't say anything about this. I feel like he was in a lot more things than I've seen him in. But there's not information that says, like, he did this with his life. He just doesn't have a lot of biographical info. Let's move on before we have another 40-minute episode here. <laughs> <laughs> so we get Ram and Sarah. The other turtles are uh, really excited about the pizza. Raphael is still stomping away. And then we get Stop. Michael Turney. Uh, the credit for Michael Turney, who plays Danny, who we've discussed previously, has done nothing with his Hollywood career short of a few uh, directing and producing independent films. We get James Saito, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, who was the actor portraying the Shredder, though he did not voice the Shredder. Um, he was in a lot of things. Yeah, he is. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Star Trek Voyager, Soap, The Waltons, Charles in Charge. This dude had a huge career. Hmm. Uh, really kind of kicking butt all over the place. Um, he would have a reoccurring role in the Marvel series Cloak and Dagger. I don't know Ooh. when that's coming. I'm assuming that's something that's going to be made soon. Pre-production. So he's, 
still out there working? On, uh, he did some on, theater on work. What was once ABC Family and is now Freeform. Oh, I wonder nice. if he's going to be Cloak or Dagger. No. Mm. <laughs> he is, he's I going to be neither. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Jay Patterson, who is the next credit we get on screen as the turtles are still yelping and hollering. They're very excited that they just beat up a bunch of guys, by the yeah, way. Yeah, they're, they're way it, too That's happy. an adrenaline high. You know, you, you, you win the fight, you, you're going to be happy. So are they going out looking for fights or were they patrolling? Like, are they like, oh, man, we just want to go beat up somebody. We have all this energy. We're like hormonal teenagers. We need to go beat someone up. That seems, that's, that's unclear because they're like, yeah. yes, they're in time to save, to save April. And it's like, were they, is it that they were, they weren't following her. They're not interested in I can't in imagine her. they were specifically following her. I mean, I suppose I, they watched the TV news, so maybe they were aware of her existence before him, but... Maybe. I, mm, I guess Tur- turtle senses? Turtle senses? <laughs> uh, my turtle sense is tingling. Mm. Oh, man. Gotta hide um, in my shell. I always sort of imagined that, you know, they're just sort of randomly on patrol and happened to come across a crime that was maybe the first time they went out. And it appears that Splinter kind of let them venture. This might be the first time they sort of ventured out. And uh, if, if you go back to comic book number one, I'm going to pull out my handy-dandy stack of turtle comics here. I think... Oh, you opened it? Oh, yeah, I have, like, two... Listen, it's a third printing. Uh, It's not the one that's signed by Peter Laird, whose credit we will get to in a moment. Um, Oh, I'm knocking crap over here. There we go. So I'm opening up issue number one, and when the turtles get back to the lair, they have just finished fighting uh, the thugs in the alleyway. In the comic, they finish fighting the purple dragons. They come back... And they come and they sit at the foot of Splinter on page 10 of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. And the, the dialogue is pretty close. My sons, you've returned. Have you fought? And they're like, yes, Master Splinter, we won. And they beat up 15 dudes. Wow. And in the comic book, this is where Splinter goes on to tell them what their mission is. And he's been apparently training them to beat up Shredder and the Foot Clan their entire lives. So he's using them as their personal, his personal warriors. Uh... Not quite the case in the movie. Hmm. Um, but I, I, apparently he is letting them go out into the world a little bit to uh, uh, put their ninja teaching to use. Not like Jedi, though. Because always like Jedi, you don't go out and attack. You use it for defense. Splinter's like, yeah, no, you're going to go beat people up now. <laughs> <laughs> now, you might, you might have an answer to this right away. Was it the IDW comics that came later, or was it the original uh, Eastman Laird comics where they were reincarnated? As turtles and the rat, that's the IDW one. Okay, so the ID, yeah. yeah, that's that. There's a whole storyline where like Splinter was a hundred years ago, you know, Hamato Yoshi or whatever, and then the turtles were his four sons that were killed by Shredder, who is also reincarnated. Like it's well, it gets pretty terrible. mystical, yeah, it gets which weird. is cool. Yeah, but uh, we'll talk about that maybe on a weekend edition coming up. Um, anyway, Jay Patterson is the guy that plays Charles, uh, and Jay Patterson is. Another person who's just been a character actor. He's been working pretty steadily. He's done uh, sort of a lot of small things. He had a small role in Ted 2. Uh, <laughs> he was a voice in Red Dead Redemption and in Grand Theft Auto 4. Good. Um, mm. Law and Order Criminal Intent. He was a couple characters on that show. Law and Order. Uh, so, you know, Touched by an Angel. A lot of sort of standard fare. He was an NYPD Working blue. actor. Yeah, working actor. Getting, getting his, that uh, seems to be the majority of the cast here. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then we'll let Adam and Rachel, we'll take this one, Toshishiro Obata. Obata. Mm-hmm. You want to talk he about was, him a little bit? It was a certified G. I yeah. mean, like, he he's an actual descendant of, like, But was real... he a bona fide thug? <laughs> <laughs> he was a, not. He, he was an actual <laughs> descendant of, uh, like, a high class of samurai warrior. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And he he founded this, I, I guess, a school called uh, Shinkendo, which is a martial art that originated from the fighting style of the samurai. This is all from Wikipedia, by Yeah, the way. it's translated from Italian, so it might be a little <laughs> weird. Especially dedicated to teaching weird. the techniques and philosophy of the art of the katana, um... And he also started a, a samurai cop school. Yeah, he teaches like <laughs> uh, like law enforcement martial arts. Where? Which is kind of uh, like all over the world, it said. Wow. Yeah. Again, so the is, only Wikipedia entry we could find was in Italian, so we had to translate it? Yeah. yeah. Did we did, know if he had a further acting career past these movies? Um, yeah, he was yeah. basically the muscly Asian guy in every movie that called for it. Oh, and, In the uh, 90s. A few yeah. episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. <laughs> but yeah, every, everywhere where there was like, we need a tough Asian guy, boom, Toshishiro Obata. Yeah. And like, we've already uh, he seen was in, him in the movie. He was in The Shadow, Demolition Man. Uh, we already said Walker, Texas Ranger. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Sword of the Bushido. China mm. O'Brien 2. <laughs> <laughs> and that China that O'Brien. That just sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Also kind of like a porn star. I'm trying to remember yeah. what... I th- well, if I remember correctly, because I think I saw this as a kid. I think I think it's like a, a Hong Kong... And we could check this really quick, but first I want to say what I think it is. I think China O'Brien is about a female cop in Hong Kong. I think. Hmm. I think. Now I want to look it up. I mean, let me, I'm going to look it up. Oh my God, keep talking. Ah. <laughs> well, okay, we also so- found a really cool video of him just cutting bamboo and carpet samples and... All kinds of stuff set to Go Ninja Go, which is made my night. <laughs> we should Excellent. probably try to put that on the Facebook page. We'll we put that in the we'll put it in the show notes, and we'll throw it on the listener uh, listener uh, page on Facebook mm-hmm. as well, and we'll tweet it out. We'll do all that stuff. Um, I was completely right. Cynthia Rock, right. Cynthia Rock Rock, uh, Cynthia, Cynthia Rothrock, who was like the go to like female. Um, martial arts star of like the eighties and early nineties. That that was China O'Brien. That was her. So anyway. So did you notice who produced that movie? Hmm? Who's who's the producer of China uh, O'Brien? Golden Harvest. And, oh, oh, yeah, Golden oh, Harvest. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It comes full together. circle. Also, uh, one thing I discovered about him is there isn't a single picture of Toshishiro Obata smiling. Yeah, he's he's not. I'm pretty sure he at, can't. To the <laughs> listeners at home, if you can find a smiling picture of Toshishiro Obata, we'll send you a special prize. Yeah, you'll get a, a special prize. No Photoshop, please. Make it a real <laughs> Yeah, yeah. An um, actual, and, like, and, joyful And Google smile. just pulled up, for some reason, a picture of Sylvester Stallone in the search results. So that, that doesn't Well, he count. was in Demolition Man. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so the turtles give count. each other a high three as they're about to enter their lair. High three! I want you to just think about this sequence here and just take the music out and, like, just... In your, in your mind's ear, how silly do they sound shouting at each other in a sewer? <laughs> so excited. High-fiving, high-threeing each other. <laughs> like, this scene totally makes no sense without the music behind it. Yeah. I love it. I love the music in this movie. Uh, casting director Lynn Kressel. 
not a lot of information on her right now. I do want to talk about based on the characters created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Mm-hmm. Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, remember those names because they come up in the movie. They are they are hidden. They are hidden in this film. There is a shout out. Um, long before the days of the Stan Lee cameo, there was the <laughs> use of the words Eastman and Laird, which has its roots in the comics as well. They hid their names in their own comic books from time to time. Uh, it, almost, it almost sounds like a brand of camera. Yeah. Eastman. You know, it's well, funny. Kodak Eastman. Well, Eastman Kodak uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. is actually a brand was of camera. Was it Kodak so Eastman or Eastman Kodak? It was Eastman Kodak. Mm. Sure. Well, there you go. Um, I'm trying to find, and it might, I might not have this one here. There it is. Issue number three. And it's funny you say that Eastman is, uh, reminds you of photograph because on the cover of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue three in the background is Laird's photo. Oh. Mm, Yeah. So they like to hide, hide their stuff. Little Easter eggs for everybody. Um, Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, of course, the creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Couple of millionaires. Uh, if you, if, yeah, more people who made a lot of money by saying, hmm, only I invest in these stupid Ninja Turtles. They made their comic book completely independently. They self-published and owned all their rights and became incredibly wealthy. And, I mean, just recently, I mean, it was... Only a handful of years ago that they finally sold the property off. Kevin Eastman bowed out several years back. And then Peter Laird held onto it for a little while. But now it's funny because Kevin Eastman is back in the fold, working with IDW. Yeah, he does covers and write and a lot yeah. of writing credit on the. Um, but if you've never looked up the uh, original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle drawings that they sort of were challenging each other with. Uh, it was a joke originally, day. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was totally a joke. They were like, oh, look what I drew. It's like a Ninja Turtle with nunchucks strapped on. And then <laughs> the other dude was like, all right, well, I'm going to draw four. And they all have different weapons. And they're like, I think I think this is a thing. <laughs> Did we just become millionaires? <laughs> I think we just became millionaires. <laughs> um, so Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird get their credit. Raphael, we get damn number two. Damn. Okay, so we've had one. We had a such, silent, uh, a whisper one. Email. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not the most polite of the turtles. Mm-mm. We get the whispery dam. We get a slightly more vocal dam. I wonder if we're gonna get a third dam. Possibly. Maybe. We enter the lair. We get a nice little. It almost sounds like a marimba or a synthesized marimba. Doom, 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 or a pan, like a wooden flute. Yeah, like a pan flute. <laughs> pan flute. Uh, sort of giving us the essence of the Far East. I would imagine is what they're trying to achieve with that musical cue. And we see a furry clawed hand putting down what I can assume is a cup of tea mm-hmm. um, or maybe a cup of sewer water because he is a rat after all. <laughs> no, it, it's probably tea. Because that, that one thing on the right looks like a teapot of some kind. That is yeah. a teapot. Okay. And then a shout out to John Duprez. Yeah. Oh, this music. The music is it's, so good. And and there's a there's a musicality to the film itself, too. Like all of the dialogue is like I always say this about Ghostbusters too. The the dialogue is almost a song in a sense. Yeah, well the voices are pitched in such a fun way. Like the actors that do the voice work are so dynamic with their voices. They're not just talking monotone. They're not trying to be gritty and angry all the time. Like they're their voices are very lilting. They're very melodic when they speak. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, movies like that, I find it much easier to memorize dialogue from movies that have 
sort of melodic vocals. Yeah, um, I feel that way about uh, uh, Ghostbusters. I could go on and on about that. I've actually sure. challenged Adam to take a weekend and just write the whole script down. I want to do that. I want to write Ghostbusters from memory. Yeah, you could. You probably could. Anyway, see, I feel like I could do that with like Wayne's World. There's <laughs> definitely a time. Definitely a time I could do it with Ace Ventura too. Ugh. Oh God. <laughs> what could I? Chris, you sounded so with? dejected right there. Well, I was trying to remember, like, I because I quoted uh, movies all the time as a kid, and like, uh, I, I at like the sixth grade talent show uh, thing, I did like impressions and bad jokes. But uh, movies I could do from memory. Is it Braveheart. is it like middle school? I could write that, down Braveheart. Braveheart, really? Wow! Yeah. Holy cow! That is an undertaking. <laughs> I I would pay money to watch you do that. Yeah, <laughs> to that just sit be... over you and watch you write Braveheart. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it middle school where everyone's like we're gonna just start quoting stuff? Like I feel like when oh, I was yeah. in middle school, yeah. like quoting stuff was. That's how we made friends. Like whether it was mm-hmm. the celebrity Jeopardy sketches or, like I said, Ace Ventura. Like you that quoted was the height things. of comedy. Yeah, and that's when I found school, Kevin we Smith. We didn't quite too. have the subtlety, you know. For yeah, for it needed to yeah. be really over comedy. So it's with, like impressions was a big thing. With we, me, it, it was just The Simpsons. I would just yeah. Well, rapid I just, fire quote The Simpsons. I, I remember like like kind of being funny as a kid, and I would just say things that were funny and then the response I would get is what's that from like, yeah. some, everyone always goes, oh, what's that from it's, it's like it's from that thing it's I just me, said man. it's from my brain <laughs> god gosh <laughs> um, yeah I st- it's it's a problem quoting th- it's, see as you get older you realize that less and less people are getting your quote so you just stop doing it that's the mm-hmm. sad part I have a few friends who I will still just like itch back and forth back and forth we'll quote a movie um we used to do this game, a drinking game, where we'd put a movie on that we'd seen him a hundred times, usually like Wayne's World. And if you miss a line, you have to do a shot. Oh. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, that's, that's called a, a higher level film watching right there. That's, <laughs> wow. You got to be in it to win it. That, that kind of makes me think, have you ever read uh, Ready Player One? Mm-hmm. Like haven't that, that, that you need to read it man but there's like a sort of a version or an idea of a video game in there which is yeah. like you get inserted inside a movie and you have to play you, you get points for hitting the line cues and and moving properly and having the right intonation like uh, in the book he 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 gets inserted into uh, spoiler alert war games uh, as as the Matthew Roderick, Matthew Roderick character and yep. I've, I've, uh. like I would love for I'd love to do that that'd be so cool <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes. Thoughts thoughts for future shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the turtles come busting into the lair, and they are very excited about uh, their exploits, and they're telling Splinter. And Donatello hits the greatest pose, and he's got, I don't know how they do it with a puppet, but he's got the world's <laughs> dumbest grin on his face. Yeah, he and really I'm literally does. laughing. <laughs> and I'm laughing almost, out loud. And he almost says the word but, but he catches himself. Catches yeah. himself. Yeah. Yep. Michelangelo goes right to the phone book. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonardo catches himself because he's yeah, Leonardo catches himself. You yeah. would think I, you would think he uh, would have the pizza Roy number Forge memorized. Roy Forge Smith. I want to talk about the production designer here, Roy Forge Smith, for a minute because um, one of the things I think that helps make a movie recognizable are the crew behind it. And production designer is someone who has a lot to do with the way a movie looks. And I'm going to read off some of this guy's other credits here and just see if maybe. It, you just sort of go, oh, okay, yeah, now I get it. So he was uh, in the art department on the movie The Page Master. Hmm. Oh, wow. He was the art director 
for several films in, man, from the 60s all the way up to the 80s, The House by the Lake. Um, I guess that's probably the big one as an art director. But then we get into his production design credits. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, That makes sense. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Really? Wow. Yep. Which is like the Holy Grail of comedies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Hound of the Baskervilles. Um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, nice. Born to be Wild. Dracula Dead and Loving It. Uh, Rocket Man. (laughs) I'm English. Um, So it is. And then... Some more in the sort of 2000s that were not quite as memorable, but there's a few movies in there. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's totally like, that's kind of his look. I get it. Yeah, the, it makes yeah. sense that he was associated with the total movies And when you say them associated, like, you know, as we're watching this movie, it's kind of like, you know, obviously, like, those. this has almost nothing to do with, Dra- has nothing to do with Dracula Dead and Loving It, but there's some sort of, like, visual elements that it kind of, like, that makes sense. It's the auteur theory. Mm. <laughs> the auteur sense. theory of production design. <laughs> I want to jump to the director of photography, John Fenner. Uh, this is also really interesting. The storyteller, which you were just talking about. Uh, it, was it this minute or last minute, Adam? You were mentioning was, the storyteller. I think it was last minute. So he was the cinematographer on the storyteller for several episodes. The Jim Henson Hour, the mm. Turtles movie, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, The Borrowers... Oh. Uh, and then he was, you know, credited as a cameraman or electrical department in the original Superman movie, Gulliver's Travels, nice. um, Tale of Two Cities. So this dude has done some other things. A lot of Jim Henson work, which was, Makes sense. I guess, not surprising, but well, I wouldn't have thought that the DP of this movie would be so high up in the ranks of the Henson sort of uh, crew. I, that makes that makes perfect sense. Like if you're looking for your director of photography, I would definitely. And you know, you're making a movie with four people in in puppety suits. <laughs> that makes sense. And and yeah. also like just since we're talking about him anyway, like this shot here where Leonardo's like you know kneeling and and you know uh, talking to Splinter and the other turtles are sort of moving around them. I have to say, I, I think it's like, it's not a, the sort of thing I thought about as a kid, but as I'm looking at it now in, in closer detail, like, I really like the composition of the shot, like how it starts mm-hmm. out on Spl- uh, Splinter's claw and like, you know, they move in and, and you know, th- like the, the, the freeze frame I have right now has got like the screenplay up in one corner, story down in the other quarter. And like, uh, Leo is, 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 I mean, it's, it's just really well composed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I quite like it. Also, yeah, shooting, there's. Go ahead. Shooting puppets it isn't easy. <laughs> uh, I've I, I've actually done it. It's a logistical nightmare. Mm. Um, so <laughs> having a director of photography who who kind of has been around the puppet world is a good guy to have on <laughs> on set for a movie like this, which was probably an enormous undertaking. Even yeah. even as far as puppetry goes, this was probably like people probably told a lot of people involved that they couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, it it's not easy. I'll take your word for it. Um, We get the executive producer credit once again from China O'Brien fame, Raymond Chow. (laughs) China O'Brien. I'm going to look up the trailer to that. And we hear Splinter's voice for the first time, voiced by the fantastic Kevin Clash, also known as Elmo. Also known as a total creep, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. 
allegedly. Um, allegedly so, enough, he had to step down, right? Yeah, career-endingly, yeah, yeah. allegedly. Career-endingly, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Story by Bobby Herbick. Bobby Herbick was uh, a writer mm-hmm. uh, and wrote for a lot of television, um, was an actor, acted in more television than he wrote for. So he wrote for like <laughs> Different Strokes, The Jeffersons, and Ninja Turtles. That was, I guess, pretty much it. I, I, I guess he was more of an actor. He was in M.A.S.H., as a patient, he was in Chips in a small role, Different Strokes, Jeffersons. Like, it's interesting that this is the guy they went to to to, to break this story. Um, because he doesn't really seem like he has a whole big pedigree for writing movies. <laughs> well, I mean, $13 million budget, how big was that in 1990? Like, what was the uh, the, the going rate for making movies? I mean, how much of a budget um, did they really I mean, have thir- for I mean, $13 million was, for an indie, was, you know, well, as for an it indie, was up okay. there. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. that's up there. Yeah, but you've got um, Jim Henson pockets to yeah. do them, too, you know. That's true. And a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Jim Henson people on this on this project. Yeah, screenplay by uh, Todd W. Langan, who wrote for. It's funny because I've been watching this and I keep seeing his name. He's uh, wrote for the Wonder Years, hey. uh, the first two Ninja Turtle movies, Winnie Cooper, uh, and then again, not much else. It's just it's kind of interesting that the credits showing up on IMDb for these guys are so sparse and they created it is and what I thought was a fantastic script. That's kind of interesting that like uh, all the actors we looked at are have like huge like you know like none of them are, are like really well known but they've mm-hmm. been in so many like you know uh, the, You the know what it is who, it's who, it's Moneyball. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not hitting home runs. They're just getting on base. Yeah. Yeah. And the perfect combination of guys who can get on base will win games. You know? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Sports ball. Sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, we're at another like thirty-minute episode. Yeah. So we'll I we'll we'll wrap it up there because now Michelangelo is walking with this phone book towards Splinter. Yeah. Obviously, listening well, very intently to everything we, he has to say. Bet- between like having his chucks draped over his neck and having the uh, is that what the, that is? Yeah, the, I think those are his chucks. Either that or it's a mm. towel. But it kind of right. I, I think it's his chucks, like draped over Might his be. neck, and he's holding the phone book like out in front of him as he walks, like it's a tome. He looks do like we, a priest. <laughs> do we for which, a minute? Which kind of like fits into the shot that I was just talking about, like how artistic that heavenly it all glow. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Do we for a minute believe that Michelangelo does not have the pizza place phone number memorized? Right. Uh, it depends say, on whether or not he can memorize long numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it depends on how fast you can scarf your pizza. <laughs> and with that quote, guys, I think we'll wrap it up this week. Uh, this Sorry, today. Holy cow. We got three more episodes left this week. Don't abandon us. Uh, it's only Tuesday, Scott. It's minute this- seven. That was it uh, for the crew here at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute. I am Scott Tofty. Thank you to our producer, Scott Corelli, over at DuelingGenre.com and all the other fantastic Movies by Minutes podcasts that you should be out there listening to at MoviesByMinutes.com. Take it easy, everybody. We'll see you for Minute 8 tomorrow. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Cowabunga! I'm keeping that whole thing in there. That's going to... There we go. Now we're at the end. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 